Within the depths of the strip mall of the damned lies a decrepit video store long since shuttered. Past the dusty shelves, empty save for spiders spinning their patient webs. Beyond the ancient batwing doors guarding the sepulcher where once were hidden the perverse and heretical, a secret society assembles to scrutinize those films which are rumored to drive viewers to madness and dissolution. Draw closer, dear listener. Let your trembling ears sup upon the eldritch knowledge of the Cinemania Society. We the Lovely. I've brought some cough sweets. Does anybody need a cough sweet? Uh, are you still are, here? Are they organic, though? Oh, I'll have to go to the special store across town. <laughs> Thank you. It's just an extra hour. Oh my gosh, it's fine. It'll it's keep fine. Him busy. He won't be in here. It'll keep him busy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. Uh, Fez is on. If there are no objections, <laughs> Fez is on. Fez is on. All fezzed up. All right. Welcome, brethren, to this conclave of the Cinemania Society. Please be seated. And welcome to our listeners to whom I will now issue this warning. We disciples of the Cinemania Society have studied the mysteries of the motion picture and meditated upon the silver screen for many years couple of months for me. Therefore, we have become inured to the films we scrutinize, which may contain hazards unsuitable to young and sensitive ears. As such, we advise anyone listening to do so with discretion. Guard your ears carefully, lest you develop a severe and irreversible case of cinemania. Brethren, we have a new member present at our conclave. This is... <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <coughs> mm. uh, that's what I get for ripping a bung with the American flag on it. Uh, brethren, we have a new member present at our conclave. This is Brother Andrea, scholar of San Francisco. Excuse me. Uh, hang on. You're damn right. Hang on. I knew we shouldn't have given them the vote. Women? Americans! Be silent, you contemptible old pudding. <laughs> uh, um, uh, we shall henceforth be known as... Uh, we need to get hash this out. It's been too long. I've been saying for weeks. Inquisitors. Inquisitors. Uh, I think we should call, uh, call ourselves Inquisitors. No, no, no. no, no, no. You can call not. yourself a Inquisitor if you want to, but no, 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 just no. Or the Cinemania Society, I think we should just be Cinemaniacs. I keep saying that. You guys want to make this too complicated. It's no, like but we're trying brand. to prevent Cinemania. That doesn't make any sense. If we're Cinemaniacs, we follow be a cowboy. Okay. Cinemaniacs reminds me of that TV show, Animaniacs, and we're not black and white. We yeah, scrutinize and films. Why don't we just be scrutinizers then? But who wouldn't want to call back to Mel Brooks's great film, History of the World, Part One, with the Sinquisition? We're holding a Sinquisition. It makes sense. Oh, dear. Yeah, I'm sorry. My racial memory is tingling at that one. Yeah, nobody Ooh. expects the Sinquisition, right? <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, yep. That's, that's a rough one. Uh, In 
In any case, welcome to our fold, Professor Andrea, scholar of San Francisco. Also present at our conclave tonight are Sinquisitor Ethan, keeper of the lenses. Just through my charges, the truth is refracted. Scrutinizer Zachariah, guardian of the door. I still don't know why I let any of you into this place. Verifier Andy, master illuminator. And glowing softly. Profligator Daniel, possessor of the word. Yeah, and I'm going to need you guys to sign off on all of my uh, expense reports from that trip to Interzone. Uh, we'll get to that when we get to that. I am Repositor Andre, voice from the outer world. I will be serving as Pontifex of Presentment for tonight's subject of scrutiny. Fred M. Wilcox's 1956 science fiction epic, Forbidden Planet. That's the Forbidden Planet. We don't go to the Forbidden Planet. They do forbidden go to the Forbidden Planet. They do, actually, yeah. They went there. there. It's forbidden. What happens on the Forbidden Planet stays on the Forbidden Planet. No, that it's too forbidden. Is there a bidden planet then? Yes. There's yes. also a midden planet, but nobody likes to go there. <laughs> that midden planet is mid. I understand that place is quite trashy. That's the flyover planet, right? Oh, <laughs> except for the flies. flies for <laughs> Truly the Branson, Missouri of planets. Oof. <laughs> God. Wait, you're British. How do you know that? <laughs> I know everything. everyone knows about Branson, Missouri. <laughs> misery, I believe it's pronounced misery. Branson, misery. Mm. This film was the apotheosis of the first golden age of science fiction and has long been upheld as the grandfather of all science fiction films that follow. It was a movie that so tickled Gene Roddenberry's <sighs> Rod and Berries that he created the original series of Star Trek in its image, itself a franchise well-documented as a source of Cinemania. Tell me about it. Other low-budget ripoffs for film and television followed, including Lost in Space, Ugh. And it is fair to say that this film created in the public an appetite for science fiction movies, which to this day has never been sated. This Cinemaniacs is a keystone example of Cinemania. Gasp at atomic super robots being unfailingly polite. Scream at sexual politics that age like old milk in a sauna. Cry at the sight of rare animals being vaporized by the unfeeling rage of Leslie Nielsen. This is Forbidden Planet. <laughs> Professor Andrea will act as Mistress Castigator for this conclave. All right. <clears throat> Charges against this film include Weird 1950s open mouth kissing. Criminal overuse of Brill Cream. Unlicensed cloning of the same vanilla white dude. Failure to do away with the tradition of dorky naval hats with the advent of space travel. Abuse of Swedish modern interior design. Contributing to the delinquency of a robot. Operation of an unlicensed moon hooch distillery. Failure to establish radiation-proof clothing as a standard in feminine fashion. Further endangerment of an endangered species. Going over 30 minutes of exposition in a 15-minute exposition zone. Pandering of pop psychology. 
and employment of futuristic radio parts as phallic symbol when we all know damn well this movie is built on Freudian psychology. Serious trigger warnings include misogyny, abuse of consent, gaslighting, emotional abuse, animal abuse, alcohol abuse, and implied support for eugenics. Im implied? Uh, oh, okay. okay. Uh, Space fascism. Uh, well, you know, I mean, it's sort of like they said, all right, we defeated the fascists in Europe. We can go back to fashion normally again. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's uh, what McCarthyism was all about. <laughs> Well, I'd like to open it up to any additional charges, although that was fairly exhaustive. Nobody's oh. going to accuse this film of having great acting. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Well, well, hang on there. Hang on there. Um, this film did introduce the hardest working robot in all of Hollywood. True. Robbie the Robot is not just a character. He is, in fact, an actor. He appeared in, what, like half a dozen other movies, television shows. He was even in The Man from Uncle. He was in an episode crime. of Columbo, as I recall. No, really? <laughs> One more thing. I, uh, I also have an additional charge of maligning the name of the great band Guitar Wolf by using the cousin Space Wolf's name as a derogatory term. That's one heck of a charge. No, time sooner movie. or later, you're going to have to let Guitar Wolf go. Never. He's, he's never going to let it go. Guitar he's never going to let it down. Guitar Wolf is life. <laughs> yes, oh. but the wonders of our advertisements. There you go. Marvel at their goods and services. I do like your 50s Perfect. announcer voice. We've got to use yes, that song. It is okay. Good. Like we are back, and I'm stuck in this voice. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, okay. I think I'm good now. Brother Methuselah, back I've with those. I've got more cough sweets. I've brought there you the go. cough sweets. Would you like the cough sweets now? About time. Um, it looks like this one contains sugar, so I'm gonna have to pass on it. Sorry. <laughs> While you're out, Brother you Methuselah, do you, can you find me a left-handed screwdriver? Left, left-handed. I, I think I've got one just in, in my box over here. I'm just going to go and get it over. I'm right, going to lock the door behind him. Thank you. So, we have a story of spacemen and the repressed, weirdly horny space ladies who love them against a backdrop of atomic fury and robot butlers. It's not exactly Shakespeare. We are the stuff as dreams are made on. And our little life is rounded with a sleep. What pass is just prologue? It is actually Shakespeare. This, dear friends, is actually a version of The Tempest. Believe it or not. Yeah, I was about to say that. I'm British. I knew that. <laughs> yeah, sure you did. Mm -hmm. No, the, uh, the, this, the Forbidden Planet is roughly based on William Shakespeare's play The Tempest. We have a list of characters that are uh, analogs of other characters. For instance, Prospero is uh, played by Morbius. Uh, Miranda is Altera. There's an island. The island of uh, The Tempest is at... In this, the uh, planet Altair 4, 
Caliban is the monster. Ariel is played by Robbie the Robot. Ferdinand, the love interest of uh, Miranda, is Leslie Nielsen as John Adams. And the entire theme of nature and magic is an analog for technology in this one. But the main way that these two interpretations differ is The Tempest had a happy ending where nature and magic found a way to coexist with the world, where in this, man's hubris with technology and our emotions got in the way and caused the id monster, which causes destruction but i digress a bit yes hubris i was about to say blew up the planet that caused a bit of destruction too yeah i was about to say many themes many themes from the tempest i was literally just about to say that because i'm british (laughs) and i knew all of that uh-huh. We knew that yeah. Shakespeare was far ahead of his time because he was predicting the destruction of a planet through atomic devices, uh, much <laughs> as this film did, yes? Yeah, it's it's not like Hollywood only invented uh, cribbing all of their ideas and not inventing anything original in like the 90s. It goes way back. What's uh, past is prologue. There you go. <laughs> see, oh see? He's going to keep doing this all episode, isn't he? Oh, no. I, I didn't bring my big book of Shakespeare quotes. Uh-oh. I did. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, I'm offended. General... When are you not offended? He's British. It's hard to tell. Uh, I guess any general impressions of the film from the Conclave. We can start with uh, Andrea. Yeah, I don't just... think I'd seen it before, but then we got to the part with the monster going through the fence. I was like, "This is very familiar." I must have seen this at some point. Funny impressions for being a movie during the Hayes Code when they couldn't openly show sex. It was actually extremely creepy <laughs> the way they get you thinking about what could have happened off screen. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, well, there's that, there's that um, swimming scene, of course. Of uh-huh. course. Oh, we're going to have a lot to say about the sexual politics of this film. Oh, oh I bet. Um, yes. So, so I will say I actually, I've seen this movie numerous times. Uh, my dad actually brought it home for us on, on VHS when I was, I want to say six, we had literally just seen Return of the Jedi in the theaters. And he thought, oh, these kids, they really like science fiction. And this movie, would you believe it or not, scared the hell out of me. Uh, me too. Right? Right? And almost you exactly too? the same thing at when I was a kid. Yeah, my dad. Uh, the only difference was my dad brought it home on Betamax because that's what we had. Oh, um, oh psh, <laughs> Betamax. That's, that's the that's... forbidden format. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was almost exactly the uh, the same scenario. We went to go see Return of the Jedi. We came home. My dad's like, "You like science fiction, huh? Let me show you this film that I watched when I was a kid. It just came out, special edition on." And we watched it and I had the same impression. It got to the whole like melting door id monster attack thing. And I was like freaking out and crying. Um, you know, you think my dad would have learned his lesson when he tried to show me Star Trek II: the wrath of Khan to Ooh. a child who had suffered from the chronic ear infections. And we got to the scene where they were putting the bugs in Chekhov's ear. And I was freaking the fuck out. You think that would have helped him learn to, you know, don't show your kids scary films. That, but- that, that part of that movie freaked me out as a kid same. too. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I was spared that for a few more years. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's funny how far this movie goes back. And then, you know, it just kind of keeps coming back up. Like a- Yeah, I mean, I saw this film ages ago and I had a vague memory of some hokey 50s science fiction nonsense in the back of my mind. And when it came up, we'd be watching this. I thought, oh, no, 
not this piece of trash. I was expecting raw hokum from beginning to end, but it held up a lot better than I thought it would. I was going to um, say, like, the, the well, the sets and the oh, backgrounds, yeah. they all hold up. Like, the acting is like the shaky bits, like a bad like backdrop at like a high school musical is like, you know, just wobbling around in the front and it's dressed like Leslie Nielsen, but like behind <laughs> it, the spaceship and all the sets look great. Yeah. I had a yeah. surprisingly good time watching the film, notwithstanding all the problematic bits that don't age well. I also learned about deceleration. <laughs> That's something they don't talk about in sci-fi anymore. That's, That's also true. true. Oh, yeah. they're not going to tell you about deceleration in film school. that's something that that i think is a reasonable a a reasonable point though like you know they were thinking about the science as they were doing it you know the idea that no you have to slow people down from these incredible speeds that the ship is having to move at you know in hyperspace or what have you as we're reverting from uh hyperspace they they actually kind of touched on this a little bit in um the expanse you know when they they had Mm -hmm. somebody travel through the ring and then suddenly he just turned into red gelatin (laughs) i am the shadow of the waxwing slain (laughs) 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 no i thought that it was also very interesting and this was made you know well before uh the general use of computers and their use of naval technology you know and just kind of reimagining it for how you develop uh spaceships i thought was quite interesting there was an attempt to actually use some hard science in this movie it's like when you watch the uh old flight to the moon or something where oh the, the lumiere Black brothers Mike's, yeah it's oh, yeah. it's sort of like watching that in an extent that you know you're just seeing how people from another time pictured space flight and it's interesting yeah, and they they were making the effort they were yeah. really well, trying to imagine what the future might be at the same time, I feel like they may have made a little too much of an effort. I mean, the script kind of read like it was written by the Imagineers from Disney who designed the set and props. <laughs> like every like every time they see a new thing, it's like, oh, and now this is Robbie the Robot. And let me tell you all about his wonderful features for five to ten minutes. That's and then it's true. like, oh, and this is a Beamer. This is what it does. And oh, this wonderful material that the aliens left behind. Let me tell you all about it. Now shoot it with your ray gun to prove that it is solid. Now do this. Now do that. Like available yeah, now from your Avon representative. Like <laughs> it did feel like a low key ad for Tomorrowland. He does. Yeah, he like, does they do yeah. like have like what a, a five minute sequence where he's just showing the trash disintegrator. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So it takes you like literally fifty minutes to get to yeah. Real home like, of exciting. tomorrow exhibit. <laughs> it's like two-thirds of the movie is that so i i I think we can agree it's it's an artifact from another time and as i always say past is prologue (laughs) (laughs) it's like a little time wow that was as original as hollywood way to go you might even say what's it's prologue. All right. Uh, maybe, maybe we should start walking through the movie a bit. Yeah. So what? What? What is this movie? Who is Robbie? Why is he so important? Let's find out. <clears throat> Andy, you're up. I'm, I'm back. I've, I've got the screwdriver. Not and you, cops. brother Methuselah. Oh, Get out of the space. No. All right then. I'll just wait over here. I swear I locked that door. Get rid of that guy and don't let him back in. Yeah. 
put him back in his like glowing green like holding chamber. You need to I'm do a chat about keeping the door. I I'm going to stand by the door this time. To be to be fair, I did send him for a screwdriver. All right, people collected in this conclave, it's time to begin. Now let's find out about Forbidden Planet. We open on a literal flying saucer approaching Altair. This is the 1950s US Navy in space. The spacemen are looking for a previous exploration party, and as they approach the planet, they're warned to go away by an irritable person we will later learn is Dr. Morbius. Because if you're going to be a super scientist in space in the 50s, you need to have a sinister name. The ship lands, and the planet seems to be entirely deserted. However, a dust cloud in the distance turns out to be Robbie the Robot. And here he is, everybody. Um, The real star of the show turns up early on. It's Robbie. And it's a pretty remarkable opening. He just appears out of the desert like something from Lawrence of Arabia. (laughs) <laughs> like, the, like the bastard child of an ENIAC in the Michelin Man. Well, the yeah. whole du- the whole dust cloud is resulting uh, Ariel from the Tempest, who is an air spirit. So this is another you know analogy to the Tempest. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure but, you realize that though. But Robbie's not as nimble as Ariel is usually portrayed <laughs> on stage. I feel really badly for the actor who had to be in that gonk suit. Like, yeah, just gonk. Oh, Robbie oh, no, here's, here's a funny bit about Robbie, though. Okay, almost immediately. So, this is still one of the most expensive props ever built, like single props for as a percentage of the budget ever built. And it was almost destroyed in this first take because the dude they cast a really short person to be inside the suit and operate Robbie. And through his little voice box grill that's like with lit up with blue neon tubing, Looks that's great. where the operator would look out. Right. Right before the scene, everybody went to lunch and he had the classic 50s, like three to five martini lunch and came back completely (laughs) shithoused and was like stumbling around and almost tripped and destroyed Robbie until they pulled him out and fucking fired him on the spot. Oh, God. They replaced him with another Robbie? Oh, that's wild. Yeah, it could have been someone. I was the original Robbie. Now, wait, now, did they do the thing like Lucas did where there was it was one person in the suit moving around, but it was somebody entirely different doing the voice? Yes, that's exactly what they did. Yeah, no, they had a That's not R2-D2's real voice? I now want to see the drunken Robbie cut of Forbidden (laughs) Planet where he's just waddling left and right, hurling extras across the way. Well, no, but his security (laughs) protocols fail and he just like shoots Leslie Nielsen in the face and that's the end of the movie 20 minutes in. The drunken operator charges Leslie Nielsen. What'd you say, you fuck? Then he high fives Alec Baldwin and moves on. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Too soon. Yes. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay, we can cut that. (laughs) that, That's all staying in. That's all staying in. Yeah, no. uh, Don't worry. We have have plenty more to go because, as I always say, past is prologue. Anyway, what's what's past his prologue? <laughs> the robot drives Leslie Nielsen and a couple of his chums to the House of Morbius, which is a cubist nightmare of horrible angles, terrible furniture, and nightmare-inducing sculptures of fish for some reason. So IKEA. <laughs> Yes, complete with the meatballs. I thought this might have been a ripoff of uh, the French film Mon Oncle, which came out the same year. 
turns out. I thought, you know, but it just turns out it was just the same terrible sense and decor. Yeah, the the fish sculptures. I couldn't take my eyes off them once I saw them. These weird bronze fish that just appear everywhere and look half exploded. There's no reason for them. They just stuck them in the background because that's what we'll do in the future. And just one 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 moment. One, one moment. I thought I heard something. Daniel, is that insect mutant typewriter you brought back from Interzone acting up? Uh, uh... Sorry about this. It, it won't stop producing opinion pieces and explanatory pamphlets until it gets the powder again. No, no, don't give it the powder. Uh, I already gave it the powder. It just wants you to think that it hasn't gotten any powder yet. It's, that's why it's rubbing up against your leg. It only Ew. loves you because it wants the powder. I'm going to stare by the door. I. It, well, it, let's, looks, uh, it seems like it's trying to kiss my leg, and that doesn't... Get it just that's not it a kiss. That's uh, kisses come from the mouth, brother Ethan. Uh, can you please get a control of your creature? Let's get rid of this thing. What, what's this? It's, got, it's been typing something out. Um, one moment. Ah, a log. Better flush it then. <laughs> Not a log joke. That's low-hanging fruit. You're a low-hanging fruit, you ancient testicles-dragging bastard. All right, all right, get all right. back Let's... in here. Get out. He's slippery. locking the door again. Covered in oil. All right, let's see what we have here. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Uh, clinical notes on subject Morbius, comma M, May eighth, twenty one eighty five. That's weird. It's not twenty one eighty five yet. <clears throat> Says uh, subject shows highly evident narcissistic traits ranging from grandiosity of thought, extreme arrogance, and lack of empathy. Subject demonstrates an extreme sense of superiority and seems to feel he is entitled to deference. Subject claims to hold a PhD in philology and linguistics, but speaks at length about subjects ranging from particle physics to engineering without possessing any expertise in those fields whatsoever. Some antisocial elements have been observed as well, particularly the subject's interpretations of Rorschach inkblots, which demonstrate a subconscious fixation with sadistic violence. High Command has instructed that Morbius be cleared for auxiliary service aboard the Bellerophon, citing his credentials in linguistics. This physician grants clearance under extreme protest with the additional caveats that this individual should be closely supervised at all times and should under no circumstances ever be allowed to act in a position of leadership. Signed, S. Lipschitz, MD, Chief Psychiatrist, Earth Space Academy. That sounds problematic. Yeah, no, uh, he, he's a sketchy mofo is what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's one more. Morbius's personal log, September 23rd, 2205. Krell technology has expanded my brain. This makes me the smartest man who ever lived. I will have to mention it to my aggressively horny daughter when she's finished playing with hungry predators and the atomic super robot I tinkered together. Also, a flying saucer filled with identically brill-creamed men in jumpsuits arrived today. Naturally, I sent my atomic super robot over to greet them. Huh. Oh, fascinating stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you suppose this might be a glimpse into uh, what's occurring in this film? Uh, a window into what's happening? It's almost as if the Clark Nova can see into these characters' minds. I, is... I would assume nothing. It's high on roach powder. <laughs> Like all the time, I, it's like nonstop, you know, it's like I try to go to bed at night, you know, it's just crying like I need more roach powder. Why the hell did you even bring that thing in here? You could have just brought a novelty stuffed donkey home from Interzone or something. 
That or thing doesn't Taxidermy well, that's that's how I write my diaries. I'm... But the thing looks like a roach, but it takes roach poison. Is it suicidal? Oh, don't ask about. Uh, it is a writer, Clark Nova. It's not <laughs> worth it. Strange. If it gets too close to me, I'm going to squash it. Perhaps since it's a writer, maybe we should provide it with a Hemingway solution. Yes. Listen, Nova. Don't take it. Don't take it personally. That's they don't a mean little it, drastic. Right? They're just a little. They're just a little close-minded. Is all. All right, Nova. It's okay. Now he's talking to the typewriter. Uh-huh. Well, anyway. Think this thing can even speak. Daniel, that, ha- uh... Daniel, have you been taking the roach powder? No. Okay. Why would you ask me a silly question like that? Well, you know what? Security is my job. God's sake, somebody look at his... And you're doing a great job at it. Where I don't know. How... After all? Probably right behind me. I think I hear him scratching at the door. No! You stay out there. Keep him away. Anyway, everybody, moving on from that unwanted digression, Dr. Morbius claims that the rest of his crew died because some kind of alien force that only he and his wife were immune to did something terrible to them. The men seem more surprised that there was a woman in space for him to marry than anything else. We are introduced to the Doctor's weirdly horny daughter, Altera, who really doesn't try to hide how interested she is in brill-creamed, uptight 50s guys. Altera demonstrates that the wild animals, which apparently are also present on the planet, all do as she says, and is introduced by a ship officer to something the Earthmen call a kiss. She gets the idea that Leslie Nielsen doesn't like her, because he wants her to stop tempting his testosterone-fueled band of space wolves with her unspeakable feminine wiles. This is not played for comedy. He has genuine concerns that the men will be helpless not to devolve into eye-bulging troglodytes, turgid from impacted testosterone. And, hang on, wait a minute, I can hear it again. Where is it? Is it under the table? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. The Clark Nova says it is something else, actually. Uh, uh, this one looks like an entry from Altera's diary. Let me see that. <clears throat> it's a typewriter. How, how did it manage to dot all the eyes with cartoon hearts? No idea. No idea. You just read it. I thought Lieutenant Farman seemed dreamy at first, but this kissing thing sure didn't live up to all the hype. He clearly enjoyed it, but I found his lips puny and flaccid. You're really unsatisfying. Maybe I should try it with some other members of the crew. Oh. Uh, Captain Adams showed up to grump at me about the kissing. I don't know why. Maybe he wanted to kiss Lieutenant Farman. Now, I, he also doesn't like how I dress and wants me to keep away from the crew. Maybe if I dress and act like a crewman, he'd be nicer to me. Who doesn't like miniskirts? Honestly, I was so confused by all this that I immediately went to discuss it with my father. I showed him the miniskirt and told him in graphic detail about all this kissing stuff. I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but father seemed disturbed. I wonder why. No doubt. There's another. Looks like a log entry again. This one, oh, from Leslie Nielsen. Here we go. Uh, Captain's log supplemental. I ordered the ship's medical officer to up Lieutenant Farman's saltpeter ration after I caught him fraternizing with one of the locals. Farman still hasn't fully recovered from his case of Capellan Comidia, and it would be unfortunate if our ship was to be the cause of yet another outbreak. The last colony we infected had to be sterilized from orbit. 
Uh, the, the only, only way, way to be sure. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, imagine just a ship full of Captain Kirks. That's that's what we're dealing with here. Yeah. Well, it is the Navy, after all. Well, I mean, you can see it in the very first scene. Like, Leslie Nielsen effectively invents the Riker pose. Oh, yeah, they, really they don't does, even question he? it. It's, it's just assumed that all these men trapped in a flying saucer are naturally going to just devolve into horn dogs. There's no sense of, uh, of proprietary in these people at all. No, Once again, and of course, it's Altera's fault. Once mm-hmm. again, Space Wolf, not to be associated with the band Guitar Wolf. All right. Oh, one yeah, day yeah. you're going to have Duly to let them go. Oh, I'm listening to them on my headset right now. I thought oh. perhaps you were making a Warhammer 40,000 reference. Oh, oh. Okay, I don't know if this thing is humping or sucking my leg, but uh, either way, let's step to ads real quick, shall we? Uh, here, I'm going to get it with my book. Thank you. Do you want them? I'm good. Have you have you wiped the oil off yourself? Are you you dressed? He is wearing his robe and his fez, but does appear that he cannot come in until you are dressed and clean like a normal person. My clothes have rotted away over the decades. Uh, All right. Well, disgusting. uh, You think you can uh, pick up the next part of the plot, Zach? All right, here. I'm going to lean against the door. I'll do my, I'll read. Despite the warnings Warnings of Morbius, Morbius. the crew intend to stay on the planet until they can work out what is happening. They then have to put up with the complaints Complaints of Morbius, Morbius. followed by the vague Vague threats threats of Morbius. The men leave. They intend to signal Earth for orders as soon as they can get their equipment set up. That night, the soda jerk they have aboard the ship for some reason decides to go on a walkabout and encounters Robbie and introduces him to the concept of hard booze. Later that night, some one, some thing approaches the ship. It is invisible and manages to slip around the ship and sabotage some equipment. Leslie Nielsen decides that there is not exactly a long list of suspects and goes to hear the excuses of Morbius. Altura is surprised to see him. She has taken his stiff back, ramrod straight, and fully erect attitude of rigid refusal to be interested in her as him finding her repellent. It's either one thing or the other with this girl. While Leslie Nielsen flirts with Altera, a wild tiger appears. It leaps out at Altera, no longer calm in her presence. She is shocked by this, and Leslie Nielsen vaporizes the tiger with his ray gun. She's shocked by that, too. Leslie Nielsen calms her down with more weird open-mouth 1950s kissing. Turns out, he does like her. Surprise, surprise. Wait, I can hear it moving around again. It's scuttling around underneath the table. Turns out that she must have been marked by all those men kissing her. So now her animals are like, you belong to someone else and you're no longer our master. Sorry. 
is that how it works? <laughs> I, uh, you know, that sounds reasonable. I didn't see Leslie Nielsen hike up a leg and just spray, but you know, it could have <laughs> happened. There is something to be said about the 1950s moralism, you know, here where they're saying that, you know, only she, this was a, perhaps I think a, a Hayes Code reference to uh, virginity because, you know, the animals will only be kind to a female virgin. Then they no longer recognize That's this. the this forbidden is- kissing. Well, I mean, in point of fact, uh, when they say the forbidden planet, they don't just mean the planet. She is the forbidden planet. She Does she do the forbidden fr- planet, does she do I, I even had a dance. film professor tell me about this. It's a long story. The Forbidden Dance. Isn't that... Uh, Just for reference, the Lombata is the, the Forbidden Lomb- Dance. That's what it was, the Lombata. <laughs> 90s style twerking, right? Right. But <laughs> Professor Andreas is right on with this one. Mm-hmm. It is an analogy that uh, virginity is lost even through just the act of kissing. I mean, the moment that she looked at them funny, it probably was just out the window. Well, it's yeah. it's not just kissing. It's open mouth with 1950s kissing, which is more or less just s- smashing your maws together aggressively. Yeah. I mean, it really just looks like a headbutt, but they missed. Yeah. Or well, maybe, maybe, and bear with me for a moment here. Maybe it's a fucking tiger. That's a wild <laughs> animal. And this was inevitable. She was going to get Siegfried and Royd sooner or later. Well, maybe she was just irritated by the sound of their teeth clacking together Ah. when they kiss. Such an awkward kiss. It's so awkward. Daniel, can you please get your your beast under control? This thing is, it it, it won't leave my leg alone. But it's it's another diary. We need a better working relationship. Fuck, that thing's just jonesing for another fix. Why can't you see it? Well, I, I see it just fine. I mean, who isn't jonesing for another fix? Oh. No, no, I mean, seriously, anybody else wants them? No, thank you. Man, you've got to stay off the bug powder. I'm telling you, as your general well-wisher, if not colleague. All right, all right. To, all right. Uh, hit me up after the show. I'd like to discuss this with you in a little more detail. <clears throat> so okay. what's this about a diary entry? Yeah, yeah, so this entry's from Altera. Uh, the captain killed my cat today, which that sounds totally like a country song lyric. <laughs> I'm so attracted to him for telling me to cover myself up and for killing my pets. It's what every girl wants. The captain unsheathed his blaster. It was the first time I had ever seen a naked gun. It made me immediately want to try this kissing thing with him. I think he likes my kissing better than Lieutenant Farman's. His other blaster kept poking me in the thigh though, which is funny because I thought he only had the one pistol. Can you just sedate that thing so we can get on with the show, please? It's really... <laughs> it's creepy as fuck. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Roll up Thank an ancient you. parchment and give it a bop on the space bar. A certain dominance. I'm gonna throw my book at it again. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Where was I? The spacemen decide they are tired of politely waiting in the sitting room of Morbius and bust into his study. It seems he has been working on some strange, some might say alien writing. Morbius arrives through a strange triangular door and agrees to tell them what's been really going on. In a visually striking set of scenes, Morbius shows Leslie Nielsen and his chum the gigantic network of nuclear-powered machinery under the planet. And this really holds up, too. Like, I mean, graphics-wise, these things actually really hold up. It's, it's It's beautiful examples of what they could do with the special effects of the time. Yeah, no, way better than the acting. 
<laughs> way better. They, you definitely see where they uh, put their money there. This used to be the home of a super advanced alien race that went extinct centuries ago for unknown reasons. And he has been studying their super advanced science. That's how he could build Robbie. And they are the ones who thought it would be totally chill to visit Earth and borrow a bunch of tigers and whatnot in the distant past. Oh, also, he has been gifted with super intelligence by an alien machine. No big deal. Leslie Nielsen is shocked and decides that they need to signal home for orders. Morbius has little choice in the matter, but makes it clear that he plans on only releasing snippets of alien super science because man is not yet ready. Leslie Nielsen is expecting more trouble, and so he has an electric fence and defenses placed around the ship. But the invisible something returns, and this time there's a ferocious battle. Men barely manage to get through it, and they realize that they are dealing with something that could kick their ass six ways to Sunday. While this is going on, the 1950 chef has snuck off again and is getting completely wasted with Robbie, who has now produced vast quantities of booze. What a helpful robot that Robbie. We love Robbie the booze bot. Can we yes, can we, we talk about this? cook for a second like <laughs> why did they bring this cook along and he's dressed in like the old white hat and the apron and like there's yeah, no walking around on an alien yeah. landscape and he keeps <laughs> the apron <laughs> right he goes everywhere with them wherever he wants he just wanders around he's not just staying on the ship which by the way we can see the interior of it is too small to have a kitchen <laughs> That is true. Well, I, galleys, we're, uh, we're often sort of uh, knock together affairs in the middle of everything else. But I believe, you know, you make a good point about the sartorial choices for this chef. I mean, he's the only one of them who has a piss cutter hat, you know, and those flat sort of chef hats. <laughs> and the rest of them are all wearing what we call space ball hats. They're all like, they look like they're about to go have an intergalactic game of, of baseball. Um, definitely <laughs> not cricket. No, but yes, you make a good point. He wanders drunkenly around the planet looking like uh, uh, looking like an extra from Happy Days. And the yes, booze, uh, I mean, and the it, booze it, it, that it, he it, has it. him make too is Kentucky bourbon. I mean, damn, that's stuff that will like strip the paint off their insides. That's just what they were doing in the 1950s. You just you had your consciousness stripped from you by this alcohol. <laughs> yeah. The 1950s yeah. were a time of heavy drinking, but I mean, even for the 1950s, sailors are known for drinking. We were Maybe on. that's how it <laughs> used to be, but do remember, past is prologue. What's past is prologue? What's past is prologue? <sighs> ah, God damn it! that thing just licked my ankle. It's stumbling around down there. What the hell is it doing? Well... That looks like another entry. Oh, uh, it's from Adams this time, or Leslie Nielsen. Oh. Captain's log, I bravely ordered crewman Jones and Smith to attack the invisible monster point blank with their long range blaster rifles, exactly according to Academy teachings. Checks Neither out. survived. Space tactics for dummies might be obsolete at this point. In any event, the odds of victory were improved when the ship's cook returned with 60 gallons of whiskey that he found somewhere i am ordering a half gallon per man to fortify them for the next totally pointless fight oh, see right. now think... now he's starting to sound like kirk yeah, yeah. yeah took him the whole movie office look down on this kind it's time of a damn typewriter got the shoe treatment come here you little bastard come here ah. 
guess that should do it. Yep. Oh, Nova. Would you look at that mess? There's, there's I-Corps sprayed across half the restricted room. Brother Methuselah! Brother Methuselah! Get your ancient carcass in here! Okay. I'm, I'm here! I'm here! Get, What's the matter? Get the mop! Oh, the mop! I don't have to mop up the slime, do I? Yeah, but if you could gather the pieces of my heart, that would be great. Pieces of heart, get the mop, get the screwdriver. Oh, Feel like a bloody bartender. Move! Move yourself. Oh, actually, a gin and tonic, too? That would be great. I'll take a rum and coke. I like that idea. Yeah. This off. You know, while Brother Methuselah it. cleans oh, mutant bug guts off the projector and mixes us some really nice drinks, we should just... Yeah. Uh, fuck it! We're going to commercial, everyone! God, that's over with. Okay. Who's doing the next part of the summary? Uh, Professor Andrea. Cool. Let's hear it. Professor. Leslie Nielsen has had enough of this nonsense by now. Him and the ship's doctor returned for the blazing argument of Morbius. They reckon that the only way to figure out what's going on is to use that alien superintelligence machine themselves. Robbie tries to stop them coming into the house but it's about as effective a door guard as the man in a bulky, heavy robot outfit would have been. While Leslie Nielsen tries to convince a girl he started dating yesterday that she should come away with him to a second location with a super cool spaceman gang and cut all ties to family, the doctor manages to sneak into the lair of Morbius and tries to use the brain machine. Unfortunately, it blew his mind. And as he lies dying on the couch, couch of, of Morbius, Morbius, he explains that the Invisibeast is in fact a monster from the <laughs> The aliens were destroyed by their own base subconscious fears and emotions. Cosmic. You might perhaps find it interesting to note that this film came out two full years after the CIA had kicked off Operation Midnight Climax. Um, which, you know, given that it's the CIA, it could not possibly have been content with the half decade they'd spent fucking around dumping mega doses of LSD into the martinis of random people. No, they actually had set up a secret brothel in San Francisco, kidnapped strangers off the street, filled their heads with acid, and then would film them having sex with prostitutes who were also dosed with LSD. Because fuck you, they're the CIA, stop asking questions, curiosity kills the cat. Dibs on Operation Midnight Climax as a band name. Oh. it beat me to it. <laughs> Morbius arrives and refuses to believe all this talk of invisible id monsters, which on the face of it is quite a reasonable attitude and is definitely not a textbook example of psychological denial. However, now the beast comes to attack the house. Nothing can stop it, not even Robbie, who decides now is the time to have a divide by zero error over the whole affair. Realizing that the end is coming and it's all his own dumb fault, Morbius concludes that the alien machines have to be destroyed. Accepting the apologies of Morbius. Leslie Nielsen pulls the lever and sets the whole shebang to self-destruct. Getting away just in time, the crew are able to witness the destruction of the planet firsthand. If it wasn't forbidden before, it bloody well is now. Yeah, but I don't get it. 
Look, it's a simple story. Bunch of boys meet girl. Girl likes boys. Boys start kissing girl, which annoys girl's father who deploys atomic super robot to defuse a situation. Boys insist on penetrating the forbidden lair. Invisible id beast remonstrates on the matter. Boy vaporizes tiger. Girl kisses boy. Doctor admonishes girl. Beast attacks everyone. Planet explodes. Simple. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a tale as old as time, just as the bard intended. Conclave, slow your roll, guys. The Cinemania is getting pretty thick in here. We gotta go to recess or we're all goners. That episode of the Cinemania Society featured Andre Luke Martinez, Andy Slack, Ethan Ireland, Zachariah Burks, Daniel Scribner, and Andrea Palladino. Produced by Ethan Ireland and Andy Slack, mixing, mastering, and sound design by Ethan Ireland, Graphic design by Andy Slack. Music by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Visit our website at thecinemaniasociety.podbean.com and check out our social media feeds. We're on Twitter at TCS underscore Cinemania. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review wherever you find us, mention us on social media, or find us on Ko-Fi to throw us a few bones. We love to make fun stuff for folks, but it isn't free. Anything and everything helps. Coming soon, the Cinemania Society will be creating pieces of video media, short films, and the like. So stay tuned, Cinemaniacs. The Cinemania Society is a production of the Cinemania Society, LLC. Oh, I shouldn't have to do all of this at my age, cleaning up bits of slime and keyboard and bug parts. Ooh! I stepped, I stepped on a letter K. Oh, it is the cruelest of letters. Unacceptable. I shall vent my fury upon the furniture. (laughs) 